Hi, and welcome back to Transbox. And first of all, Happy New Year, Jen. How are you? I'm very well, and Happy New Year to you, Jill. What did you get up to? Anything exciting? Did Santa come and put anything exciting in your stockings? Not really, but I spent a lot of money on a on a new piece of technology that I don't need, and I ate plenty on Christmas Day, so that seems to be uh, enough for me. It How is, about you? Well, it's actually quite a challenge for me because I put on quite a lot of weight, and um, there's something very interesting about dysphoria, isn't there, when you put on a lot of weight because it sort of it sort of emphasizes your male shape a bit more i think well that's an interesting point and it's probably not what we're i remember when i tried i've always been big and when i transitioned and certainly once hormones started taking effect it sort of moved things around my body and i think in some ways being big helped me because i was sort of more naturally sort of weirdly curvy just being because I was overweight I'm much more overweight now but I remember at the time that that in itself not being overweight causing me that much anxiety otherwise other than wishing I could wear nicer clothes but yeah it's interesting that maybe it's just that's how, how how I built but I've always been I've always been big so it's pretty used to me I'm used to it really I mean body shapes are fascinating aren't they when you think about it because and you look at the the fashions for trans women. Yeah, um, it is interesting how it is. They are better cut. So, for example, if you go to Evans or yours or the bigger sizes, maybe it's just because they're more tent like. But they are they do seem. I mean, long tall Sally is great if you're tall, but it's you still need to be quite narrow. But Evans is great if you're sort of wide and um, not necessarily good. So good if you're. Um, you're tall, I always think. I don't know how you find that. I think, yeah, I don't know, but I've never had an, any choice being big all my life. And certainly when I transitioned, I've never really been able to shop around. I did lose some weight initially the first five years and did have a chance to shop around a bit more, but I've always been very restricted. But I, th I think you may be right. I think there was a, I did make choices to make, I, I, I pretty quickly, I haven't had an understanding of what works better for me in terms of, of, of giving me more of a shape, I think. Um, you know, so, um, so yeah, I think it's interesting that. Um, but, I mean, we're all sorts of different shapes. And it is quite fascinating, isn't it, this idea when we're shopping. And shopping's gone through my mind a lot at the moment because I've put on weight, I need to get some yeah. clothes. But also because it's the sales, and I do like a bargain. And I of find course. it fascinating, this idea that female fashions based on these different models model sizes so um and different yes. shops use different model sizes so actually a 14 in one shop is not the same as a 14 in another shop whereas if you're a trans 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 mask and you're coming into the male world i think male sizes are a lot more standardized don't they i i, I think so i think yes I, th I think that's certainly true i mean as I say, I've always been slightly restricted um, in where I shop, so I haven't perhaps got enough experience on that. But yes, I think I think there's less of a there maybe is a less of a pressure to to make things seem like a smaller size or call things a smaller size than they actually are, and vice versa. Um, yeah. I, I I think that's interesting, but yeah, it's it's a it's certainly a challenge at first when you you start to shop is to. Is to get, get head. I couldn't get my head around shoe sizes at first because women's yeah. shoes are bigger than men's shoes. For the sake, a woman's ten is bigger than a men's ten. Yeah, 
but it's because the they're based the on wits, isn't it? It's the wits of it's the course. Not the, well, the width, the widths are narrower, but the, 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 they're sort of. I was a shoe size smaller as a woman than I was previously, just right. because I think the the last is it they call they based them on. I think they're yes. they're yeah. just a slightly different shape. So I found that interesting. Although, but, you know. but but you'll get you'll get a, a shoe size which is whatever it is, like a nine or ten, whatever. But if it's got a pointed toe. I mean, basically, that's not a nine or ten. It's just half or a full size smaller because you. you yeah, I've never, lot, I've, ne I've never been good with pointed toes. No. <laughs> I mean, I have all this. I have these wardrobe. I, I love shoes, and I've always had this wonderful order of lots of different shoes. And um, and of course, as I got heavier and older, you sort of you sort of realise that actually wearing heels is an absolute nightmare. It kills your legs, um, and you need to have your flats close by. And I often think that. Um, when you first go through transition, you get this euphoria of trying all these different glamorous clothes. And the reality is, as time goes on, you end up realizing that most women or most men built, you know, simply dress for comfort. We don't actually dress in the sort of fantasy world of stuff. It is quite staggering, really, isn't it? And I think things have changed um, since since I since I transitioned at first. Is um, I did wear heels for a while, and being tall and and big. It was always uncomfortable. But if I look now, um, you know, you don't see and in the workplace, don't, don't see people women in high heels so much. No. We don't tend to do that. I think there's a fashion now for wearing, you know, um comfortable, you know, sort of trainer type shoes, you know, just white white trainers with with outfits and with dresses and things. So and and flats, so heels are just to me, just really for going out out, really. And I think um, I think COVID murdered the the high heel industry, didn't it? That was the end of it. Yeah. People suddenly realised how... And the thing is, what's hit me, it's really strange, is I broke a, a couple of toes in December. And, um, of course, there's no way you can get into a heel because there's... Ouch, ouch, the yeah. Pressure. And, um, and it's been quite fascinating, actually discovering that a flat shoe is also quite difficult for your feet. So having a slight raised arch or a, a, yeah. a tiny heel is actually quite good, a little block. Yeah, I think, so. I think, I think you're right on that. So, um, so I think it's part of you know this assimilation into this world is yeah, I, th I think the more the longer you spend time in in the and I think you always talk about this aspect of social transition don't you it's about yeah. taking your place in the real world and not just sitting in your bedroom all the time you you learn you learn to fit in more because actually it's become less of a special event if that makes sense yes yes no I think that's definitely true I mean uh, you know you, you it does it's it's amazing because you never think that's that that because happens because the euphoria of transition is is so uh, can be so overwhelming of of being yourself and and exciting and nervous and all that that eventually it becomes just every day and eventually it just becomes and it disappears and it's hard to remember it's hard to relive live that time where actually you know getting dressed wasn't just something you did to be comfortable and you know and, and be respectable when you're at work and and so forth and, and yeah occasionally what you know homes out at a posh do which is rare these days that's nice it is nice to get dolled up but um I, I, I give it so little thought maybe that's an age thing as well you know when i'm when i'm in my 50s maybe I, i'm slightly less care than i was in my 30s i don't know yeah, I think there's I think there's something which is quite strange because I think when you trans transition later in life and and I wished I mean one of my life's endless regrets is not having done this earlier for all sorts of, of reasons course. but let's put this all of us there. But there is something about approaching a certain age where 
whichever age you're on, whichever gender you are, you become a bit invisible. So, you know, and actually when you swap and when you and then you go into your preferred gender role and you know present it in, in your preferred way, you sort of stand out again, which is quite it's quite peculiar, isn't it? Because whether you do stand out or whether you perceive you stand out is quite interesting. And so the clothes you wear become really interesting because you know, walking, I mean, and, and what's fascinating about female fashion is that when you walk down a, um, a high street, you'll see everybody from a you know a secretary through to a someone in a pair of trainers. And especially in the part of the world I'm in, you know, you get yeah. some quite strange fashion choices in the shopping centres. And, um, but actually nobody really cares. And it's that thing about, unless you're doing something that's a massive faux pas, you don't really stand out. So it's about how do you avoid the things that stand out rather than, yeah. How do you wear the things that make you anonymous? Because that's the thing, isn't it? And how you hold yourself and voice dysphoria and all those sorts of things are probably more important than the clothes you wear. So you may as well just wear the things you like wearing. I, I think I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're right on that in terms of. Uh, I mean, there are some people who who, who revel in being noticed, and and yes. you know, I want to be noticed, and that there's nothing absolutely wrong in that. And um, yeah, I, I, you sort of become. Uh, you, you find yourself becoming less conscious conscious of that. I mean, there were definitely when I, there were there were times of mistakes I made when I first transitioned that I did stand out and look. People thought, well, what, what, "Why are you wearing that, Jenny?" I remember wearing a a short. I had this short denim skirt with like a a torn hem and stuff that I liked, but it was just not. I was mid thirties and it wasn't right for me. I'm too short, and um, so I, I learned. You learned from um, a, a few mistakes. I remember some kind friend said, "Doesn't really work for you," you know. So I think I think you find your own path. I think I, I sort of yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I yearn really for those days where it's more exciting, where fashion was more exciting, and and getting dressed up and just was was just amazing. Yes, yeah. And I think, um, but my, I think everybody needs that that sort of female friend. And I mean, women talk about this a lot, you know, so sort of cis females yeah. because actually they do have people to go shopping with, and they do get a view on what this thing is like and how it is. And I think sometimes when you're out on your own and you're trying to, you know, cope with the very, and, and of course I meet people who have no problem that they go shopping, they've got the changing rooms, uh, they're trans, they're really comfortable in their own skin. They're, you know, they've really sort of settled into the whole way of doing it, but they all tell, they all tell the same story, which is it's a, it's a, it confidence comes from a series of steps where you start from zero and you build yourself slowly up. And it's not a progressive thing like an escalator. You do, five or six steps up, and then you may take two or three back. But the key, and I think what's interesting about your transition compared to the the way I've, I've been forced to transition is that you sort of just do, did it and then you're on with it. And then, and, and I've noticed this with other people who do it in one big lump. Once you go into it and commit to it, that's it, isn't it? And then you, you don't have this backstop sometimes and having to, you know. No, not, I, I, not I didn't have to, yeah. No, I didn't. I, I did. I was lucky. I think in my circumstances, I didn't have to have to compromise too much once I'd made that. I mean, I did. I, did, I must admit, I, there's there's a confidence I have that I can't think of, I could find. Now I was just thinking about that. I think I remember that before I had transitioned and I'd, but I'd started to work towards that. I'd go shopping and I'd go in. Um, and we used to buy my shoes from Evans because they had size tens. I'd go in there in male mode and try mm. on 
women's shoes with with complete confidence, which is so not how I was growing up. But it was just they were so friendly in there, the shop assistants. So and that certainly got some looks from other people in the shop. You know, there was somebody presenting completely male, trying on heels and things, and with no, and and I can't believe I had that confidence back then to do that. Um, whether I w- would now. Um, so I think that's that, that, that. I think that's interesting. But yeah, I didn't have to go through that very difficult part of having to live that. You know that balance that that you, I think you've had a, certainly some of that, haven't you, Joe? Yeah, yeah. I think there's people who are more gender fluid, not because of desire, but because actually it's just one of those things about being expedient. So you know, one of the things from my perspective is as rule for through this year, more and more light in my life will be uh, fully in my the way I want to appear and you know because that's working in terms of my own life um and so you know, so if, if you don't mind me asking so so how have you have you got have you got plans or aims for this this year then Jill? yeah so I mean it's it's really interesting I've I've spent a lot of time prevaricating about things like passports because of course I I travel to foreign countries where being trans is a is a is a real problem so I yes. I've been looking at having two passports uh, one, so, but I've actually just decided this year, do you know what, I'm going to stop working with those organisations and I'm just going to commit to the passports. Um, you know, I'm on the GRC waiting list, GIC waiting list. I mean, the reckons, well, years to get an appointment. Um, I've got my own, I, I go privately, as you know, for hormones yes. and such like, and I get my checks done privately and such like, and and I, you know, do my deed poll, my name changes, you know, all that sort of stuff's happened or happening. And um, really, in a funny sort of way, my objective is to, I don't mean vanish in that sort of way. I want I want it to be just less of a, I want every day to be less of an event. I just want to, yes. you just want to get on and live your life, really. I think for a lot of people, being trans is the, is the destination to a journey rather than just part of the process. And I think I need to re- recapture that. And one of the other things is I'm going to start picking up my lessons with Laura again and do some more voice training because I do have massive voice dysphoria and I want to do more on that. So, you know, I think I, th- I think it's I think I think there's something and I do the hormones and they make they make some changes. But I think across the course of the year, it's about making the changes so I don't have to be thinking about it anymore. And it's just about well, this step after this step after this step, and just moving things forward. And whether I think about surgeries or, you know, those sorts of things are a, are a different issue. I don't know how important it is the surgery side of it. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, I, I, I I I I think it's it's a very individual decision. That I think um, I think that um, I, I mean, I'm not going to talk about my own surgeries, but. Um, I share enough <laughs> this podcast. Um, but yes, I think um, for me, the big thing was finding my place in society, yeah. um, living that day in, day out, being accepted. The, the acceptance was the most important thing, just being treated as who I am and uh, and and accepted as much as I can and um, making those connections. But I think it's very interesting you, you, the way you talk about transitioning that way because – when I was just learning some training, and I sort of I talk about it in this way that I've always seen transition as sort of one point in time, almost a day. I mean, I could probably look up the day. Whereas I think for most people, it's a process, and that's what transition really means, doesn't it? It doesn't really mean a big bang like sort of I did, um, but actually taking those steps, putting the jigsaw together, 
to arrive to to a point when eventually you go, well, there's nothing left of my old life. Is that sort of where you are then in, in those steps? Yeah. Is that? I think so. I mean, I've always admired. I think there's a number of different approaches to this. There's the people who say, you know, on July the first, that will be my new day and my sort of my birthday yeah. in a sense, and I have a new birthday and a new. You change your name, you change your day. Everything comes together and it's like a big bang on a certain day. And and for other people, because of family or whatever considerations, you know, sometimes that doesn't work. So you have to sort of. It's like getting into a really boiling hot bath or a really cold one. That might be more sensible. Some people just throw themselves in and some people like to ease themselves in because they might have a reason why they have to ease themselves in. And I think what you're saying is interesting here because I think social acceptance is much more, and acceptance of yourself is much more important than which surgery am I meant to have? Which surgery should I be have? When am I complete? You know, when am I, when is the, I mean, I think uh, the GR, the gender, recognition certificates really important these days because i think if a tory government does win second time round they've defined women as um someone with a grc or someone assigned yeah. female at birth so i think that's going to be something i'm probably going to um pick up the pace on but you can't go faster than the nhs no no and that's a that's a real big hurdle and I, I think that's right. I mean, I think I'm probably a bit atypical in in in, in my approach, and maybe it was a sign of the times, or it was maybe that my inability to plan and do things it's it's out of all or nothing uh, with me. Because I, you know, I I I, um, I transitioned without even um, the 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 likelihood that I could ever get to see a gender identity clinic because it um, at the time it wasn't guaranteed that the NHS would fund anything. Mm. So my view is I'm going to live, this is going to be my life. If I get some help, and obviously HRT was the first thing, but um, that would be great if they're not. Well, and, and there wasn't even the thought of anything being got online. I just thought, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try and make, you know, and and, and if, if I can get that help. So I didn't have those sort of stresses of of, of waiting for the, 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 the gender identity clinic or anything like that. I remember, um, um, so I was lucky, I think. Do you remember when Melissa Telling was a guest? She she came on and talked about this. Oh, yeah, that Melissa's when she lovely. transitioned, she talked about having that because again, she did it around the time she had to do this real world test. So she had to live socially in her chosen gender before she could even go through the process. And then when she went through the process, it was rapidly quick because it sort of weeded out the people who. I've stuck a wig on and decided I'm a woman. I'm going to rape you in the toilets. Jazz, you know, that, that's gone. Because actually, basically, what you were doing is you were doing a proper real-world test, and it and it sort of tests the it, it gets rid of that detransition fear because really you've had to prove it and you've had to you know go through a series of steps to get you there. So I think um, I, I never quite understand that though. That's a bit I don't quite understand because two years into a test, a, a week might be a test, but you you know I'm I'm I've made the decision up. You know the the. Everybody was going to either help me in terms of the NHS or, or anything else, or not. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe the atmosphere is slightly different to two thousand five. I, I don't know, but I never remember having those thoughts. Really, it was more of, okay, this is how it's right for me to be, and um, and I did it, and then and then things happened that helped me along the way, and I was very lucky. I didn't have to have that wait for the to see a gender identity clinic. So, um, yeah, there was none of that because I don't quite understand that. I don't get my head around that two-year real-life test. Two years is, yeah. is a ridiculous amount of time. You know, um, well, you know the, pretty anyone quickly. Anyone that's young listening gonna... to us, that used to be a thing. 
Well, it is now for the gender identity. It, it is for the. But I, but the point was, well, if the I, my view was, if the gender identity clinic don't want to support me, then I think because at the time it wasn't a given that I would get NHS would treat me because it was. I had to make a special case through the PCT at the time. So what was primary care trust, they called them, because yeah. they declared in Stoke that they wouldn't fund, automatically fund uh, gender identity um, services, right? It was that time in, in the NHS that they wouldn't do it automatically. So, mm. uh, And they've declared that. So I, I, I did write to them, made, made a case that I'd already been living and and, and then they should do. And then they referred me to the one clinic that was operating, which was uh, the the infamous Charing Cross. Mm. But um, I think things are different now because the NHS accepts, everybody understands that this needs to be funded. So then, you know, so the, it was never that was that was sort of weird. I was gonna, I was gonna transition whether I got any help at all or not. Yeah. If I didn't get any help, well, I, I wasn't the, going to detransition because that no. didn't make any sense to me. But I think it's interesting, isn't it? And I wonder, I wonder if there's a generational thing here where, um, I mean. There's there's an accusation that millennials and Gen Z and Gen X and all sort of stuff have slightly less resilience because they've they've been brought up in a world where you get things pretty well immediately. And I, I'm not making a commentary on this because I I don't know the I don't know the answer to these things, but I, I I can see the dissatisfaction and I can see more angst on things like social media and groups and such like amongst people who are. A different generation to mine. I think. I think when you've been used to waiting and 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 you've you've had to live with this for a number of years, a number of decades, you've there's a degree of perspective that you get where. And, I, and I'm not. I'm not agreeing with this or, or not. But I think if you're in your age, 16, 14, 16, 18, 20, 21, you know your mind, and they have a, an expectation of just doing it more quickly. And um, and I think that's a joyful thing that you know I just watch. Oh, people I, I, I do, I, I do, and it, and it's sorry, and I think it's great that that can happen, and there is that expectation. I think that in a way can be more anxiety, can be more more difficult to cope with, in some respects. Because, well, certainly for me, I resigned myself that it was never going to happen. Things changed, and I was able to. I resigned myself. There wasn't the hope, if you see what I mean. So, the, the hope that kills, right? There was no real path for me, for me to transition at all until I was in my thirties. It was not possible as a as a young person. It was not a conversation that anybody had. So you learn to cope. And yes, I was unhappy in my gender identity, and and that did affect my life and there's some trauma on that. But I wasn't going. Oh God, what must be hard now is. Uh, uh, for younger people as well, or anybody really, is seeing that this is possible, and then the system just lets you down by mm. having stupid waiting lists, or a country that seems to, for the last five years, want to put barriers in your way, or the or the how they how the government are proposing to treat young people. That must be harder because you're going. Actually, I could be who I want to be, and you're all telling me I shouldn't be, or putting barriers in my way. And I think that must be excruciating for some people. And, you know, you, you hear of people really struggling with the waiting to get to the gender identity clinic. It's because they know what's possible yeah. and they're having that taken away from them and cruelly kept away from them. I think I, I didn't have to go through that because it was sort of never a conversation in my head because it was never yeah. going to happen. Um, but it, it, it sounds like you've got, I, I know you're a good planner, Jill. I know you're a good planner. So it sounds like you've got some, but you've got no sort of date in my uh, sort of, date in mind is it you you're talking about see where you go or no you see and I, know, and I know this is very odd but i'm also keen on the emergent strategy route which is you know sometimes you just have to 
if you know your route and you know your plan and you know some sort of dates and such like which all of which I have in my own head, then I'm also content to say, well, if it's not that, if it's earlier or later, that's okay. Because actually it's only part of my life. It's not all of it. So for example, there are other things. I mean, my health is really important. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I keep I was talking to the NHS, some people in the NHS about this, you know, if I if I was coming in complaining heart disease, I don't I'm not really bothered about my transness. I want you to fix my heart. And I think it's about it's about living your life, which is trying to find the best version of yourself. So your diet, your health, your mental health, your your well-being, your physical health, your physiology, you know, and the when the work I do, I talk a lot about these things. And I think it's important that one does it ourselves. So for me, trans isn't the only thing I'm looking at this year. Because yeah. it's not it's 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 not the most important thing. It's just the fundamental thing. Um, yeah. Because actually everything's framed through that. But you see, for me, I've always been able to look at the mirror and see who I was, rather rather than being that worried about what I was wearing. And that's that's certainly that's certainly some that's certainly interesting, and I mean, probably doesn't necessarily make you typical, I guess. But but there's still there's still parts of a transition or things that you're excited by or looking forward oh, to all of doing I mean, things every every single day is a, a voyage of fear yeah. uh, excitement anticipation uh euphoria um i mean there's all those things about um again chatting to some friends of mine that's that thing where you go out you have your first cup of coffee out your first all that sort of stuff you go on a train for so the you, first yeah, time you've got, um, you go traveling you go you do these different things um i haven't tackled air, air travel yet i'm still a bit reluctant to do that but on the whole um you know on the whole you sort of conquer each thing and you 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 live your life to the point where it doesn't sort of matter no that's definitely right i wish i'd taken i feel like i wish i had taken more notice of of yeah. those steps and times because they were amazing. I remember the one thing I remember, the last thing I remember doing that I thought, that's it. I've sort of completed the set of things that was, was to go swimming and yes. in, a, in a public swimming bath and use a, a shared change room. I went with my best friend at the time, you know, use a communal women's showers. And that was, and, 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 and being exposed, exposing myself to wearing a swimming costume yes. that any woman of my size would be, I'm sure would feel, you know, slightly intimidated, you know, feel conscious. I remember doing that and then starting to do that on my own and going swimming on my own. I thought I've, I've overcome that. Um, and, you know, I've overcome, so the, I, I remember at that point thinking, God, that's the last thing. I felt really proud in doing that. And I thought wow, yeah. there's nothing I haven't done now that as, as a woman in terms of my place in society. Um, so I was really, I remember that. And, and then since then it has become, somewhat the comfort of the, of the everyday and then occasionally that which is probably more often now that oh god i've got to put makeup on today you know what a yes. pain you know because i don't leave the house without makeup i don't have the confidence to do that so there's a stuff about being a woman that I, I love sometimes i love getting made up on the occasions i, I look and think oh god i look really i got a lot good and i feel good about myself mm. and then sometimes it's oh god what a pain you know yeah um, I get wanna... that. And I think I think when you chat to, I've got a couple of friends of mine who are in their twenties who are trans, and and all they're interested in is getting dulled, getting dressed, and going out and pulling. And yeah. you know, I, I'd love to have that because that's completely natural when you're youngster. You know, I think yeah, yeah. I think sometimes the old phrase is sometimes you get up and go, gets up and goes. And um, when you're in your twenties, still, you know, you're still driven by all those 
natural urges and you want to go out and you want to yeah, party and you want yeah. to meet people and you want to do all those things. You want to date and have relationships and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's what it's all about. It's about really just living your life and not and there's there's people who won't do anything because because they see their transness as a limitation rather than seeing actually because it's a thing it's the thing rather than one of the things. The one I mean I think the one thing I cherish most of my uh, for me with my transition is how deeper my friendships were as girls than I uh, yeah. previously. So that I had a, I had two or three really close friends, and we we do lots of different things together, socialize together, go out together, and and the friendships were so much deeper than the friendships I had previously, and um, and there was a point where I felt properly, you know, one of the girls, right, yeah. um, with my friends, and you know that that was that was amazing. I, I started to feel truly accepted. Yeah, I'm sure some people saw me and and and, and thought that person's trans, you know, six foot two and all that. But I felt accepted by the people I, I mixed with, and I was, and I, I and it came a time I didn't feel because I always felt at first that maybe maybe my friends are still seeing me as almost just slightly genderless or slightly in between. You know, they, they yeah. are presented as as genius woman, but they truly see me as a peer as, and 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 I did get to that point, and I think that I remember. I remember that feeling, how how brilliant that was in that period. And you've got all this to come, Jill. I think you know, even yeah. even though you talk about regret of, of being younger, it, it's still there at any any age to a degree. I think. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I I I do. I mean, I have those regrets. I wish I'd missed missed those younger years and things. But still, I had I had a whale of a time for certainly the first five years or so. And you've got that to come. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing about all the scurrilous secrets you've kept locked up. Maybe that is on our next podcast, Jenny's Secrets Locker. I think I think the one is I have to show you the photo because you're a big Strictly fan of the of the of the of the day. Um, me and my friend she bought me tickets to see Anton Dubeck and Erin Bogue at a oh, yeah, uh, some uh, some town and to yeah. some town hall, and and we went to photographs with them afterwards. And oh, he wow. was and me, both me and my friend Vicky stood either side of. Um, I think he, he did look slightly. I look at the photo and you can see in his eyes, he's slightly not sure of the person that's standing to his left. <laughs> he's a slight bit of who's this six foot two, <laughs> slightly strange looking woman. I do remember that, and uh, but that was good. But I, I, I didn't care, it was, it was great. I think, I think the key of all of this is there's something lovely about January. Uh, it's it's I, sadly it's it's my I have a birthday in January, but put that to one side. There is something lovely about January because it's that it's that whole year. And this someone once said something was very wise. They said we usually overestimate what we can achieve in a day and underestimate what we can achieve in a year. And I think that's quite interesting, that's, isn't it? That's very that's very good. Yeah, that that sums me up completely. <laughs> Rarely finish the day achieving what I thought it would, but yeah. So, yeah, and I think that's my mantra for the. Uh, my well, I said, I'm, I'm, ex I'm, I'm excited for you for the year to come, Jill. I think. And you, we're going to do lots of interesting things. When well, we're going oh, to yeah. go and we're going to have to go and do our first road show. We're going to hire the Royal Albert Hall. And oh, it's just the thing with podcasts now, isn't it? They get yeah. so big that they have to hire venues. I know. Well, you know, we'll start with a. Do we have telephone kiosks anymore? But I know we'll, there's we'll... a living room near me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Listen, yes. I think I pointed out this to you. I wanted to. Pay due respect to our listener in Taiwan. Hope that's that. Yes, you showed me that. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, all I'm saying, I mean, that is, I think that's the person who lives furthest away from us. So whoever the listener is in Taiwan, you're very welcome. We love, we love um, the fact that you're listening to us and hopefully we can keep on. Yeah, true, true global reach we have. Although I still part of me thinks it may be somebody on a VPN sitting in. Don't say that. It wouldn't be Taiwan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, until next week, I shall see you soon. Have a lovely week. Indeed. Have a good week. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transvox. It's been a joy to have you with us. Um, if you want to um, make contact with us, you can contact us at gillian at transvox.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the work we do, please go to Patreon and go to page Transvox. And all of our money goes to our nominated charity. And Jen, you've chosen the charity for the next number of episodes. Which one have you chosen? Our charity is called Beyond Reflections, which is a charity that provides support and counselling to trans people, non-binary people and their friends and their families across the UK. An amazing charity doing some amazing work, really important. So please, if you can, give. Great. And if you want to go and have a look at Beyond Reflections, it's beyond-reflections.org.uk. And, uh, but as I say, if you'd like to make a contribution to what we're doing, because we love to help the people who help us. Uh, again, if you've got ideas for um, the show, things you'd like to ask us, questions, comments, applause, or um, brickbats, feel free to send it all Absolutely. in to Gillian at transvox.co.uk. Until the next time, goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.